Hello, this is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 187 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. And our episode today is a review of DOJ's settlement with Boeing for its 737 MAX safety standard. Hope you're doing well, everyone. Thought I'd start off with a little bit of uh, optimistic music um, to bring us uh, bring us forward in the pandemic, and hopefully uh, you're getting your vaccines uh, and getting the shots that you need. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get back to a little bit of uh, quote-unquote normalcy, whatever that may mean. Anyways, um, before we get started, how about a word from our sponsor, Steel Compliance. Steel Compliance is the global leader in compliance and ethics management. Steel's compliance and ethics platform is comprehensive, robust, and easy to use to promote a company's culture of compliance. Steel partners with the world's largest, most respected companies to deliver compliance products and services that help organizations embrace a culture of compliance while protecting their brand. Building an ethical culture is a complex undertaking that requires a detailed understanding of the global compliance environment, considerable time, and specialized expertise. Steel's end-to-end ethics and compliance platform is designed to provide compliance officers with the solutions they need to proactively address changing regulatory and reputational risks. Steel's ethics and compliance automated platform offers critical functions designed to promote a speak-up culture to advance employee engagement, reporting, and incident management, investigate promptly and fairly potential incidents to ensure compliance with your organization's code of conduct and applicable laws and regulations, including anti-corruption, anti-money laundering, antitrust, sanctions, cybersecurity, and data privacy. Manage your organization's compliance policies and procedures to ensure that policies are updated and disseminated effectively so that employees understand your organization's compliance requirements. Educate and engage your organization to promote understanding in how your compliance program applies to -to day-to-day operations. And evaluate and monitor your organization's business partners, vendors, suppliers, and customers to mitigate risk and ensure adherence to your organization's ethics and compliance requirements. To learn more about Steel's compliance solutions, please contact us at email steelglobal.com or call 415-692-5000. Well, I wanted to get uh, back to you and back to the uh, audience here about uh, the Boeing case, which uh, I haven't had a chance to sort of uh, go through and talk about. Just to put a little bit into context, um, to me, the Boeing case, as well as the GM case from years ago, are significant uh, scandals and sort of are on my top two list, along with Wells Fargo, in terms of uh, deteriorating culture, but with a consequence. Uh, you know, innocent people are killed, 346 people died as a result of safety violations and, in the end, culture problems which led to this kind of behavior and allowed it. Um, And I think that's true for the GM case. And to me, when you have innocent people killed, these, to me, are sort of the two poster children of uh, problems in a corporation and a corporate culture where people were held accountable, supposedly. Uh, I'm very skeptical with regard to the Boeing settlement, and I was skeptical with regard to the GM settlement. And uh, it just uh, happens to, you know, strike a number of chords where I just don't feel that people were adequately held accountable 
yet to see in the Boeing case. But anyways, let's let's dig into these cases, the Boeing case in particular, uh, because of, um, and I'll spend a little bit more detail here in the settlement because of the behavior, and it takes a little bit of time to sort of put the whole story together. But Boeing's long and tragic uh, sort of record here with regard to its 737 MAX and the safety concerns and FAA disclosure violations uh, finally came to an end in January of 2021 when DOJ announced a settlement, uh, which included a three-year deferred prosecution agreement in exchange for total payments of $2.5 billion by Boeing, uh, consisted of $243.6 million criminal penalty, $1.77 billion in compensation to its airline customers, and $500 million to establish a crash victim's beneficiary fund to comp- compensate families of the 346 people killed in two crashes uh, involving Boeing 737 MAX. The criminal information that was filed with regard to the DPA charged Boeing with one count of conspiracy to defraud the United States. Now, just to bring you back a little bit to the scandal here, Boeing's 737 MAX was involved in two crashes. And these dates actually turn out to be interesting because, or relevant, because in between the two crashes, uh, Boeing personnel were aware of the safety violation, aware of the problem, but did nothing. Uh, the 737 MAX was involved in two crashes in the 2018 and then in 2019 before being grounded. In October 2018, the Lion Air Flight 610 crashed in the Java Sea, killing 189 people. And in March 2019, Ethiopian Airlines Flight 302 crashed shortly after takeoff, killing 157 people. The United States, shortly after that, ordered the planes grounded uh, after the Ethiopian uh, Airlines crash. So as part of the settlement, Boeing admitted that it withheld critical information about the 737 MAX jet's maneuvering characteristics augmentation system, uh, MCAS, and the impact uh, that it had on the plane's flight control system. Boeing agreed to cooperate with the DOJ in any ongoing or future investigations and prosecutions and is obligated to report any evidence or allegation of a fraud violation involving any government agency, including the FAA. Boeing further agreed to strengthen its compliance program into a specific reporting obligation requiring Boeing to report to DOJ every three months and submit an annual report concerning its remediation efforts, any compliance testing results, and its efforts to ensure an effective ethics and compliance program. DOJ reached the settlement based on numerous factors under the corporate enforcement policy. Remember, this is first started with the FCPA and then expanded uh, into all criminal uh, prosecutions against corporations, including safety violations. Boeing's failure to timely and voluntarily self-disclose its conduct. Boeing's prior history, including a civil FAA settlement agreement in 2015 relating to safety and quality issues. And Boeing did not earn full cooperation credit. DOJ specifically cited its failure to cooperate during the first six months of the investigation, which uh, frustrated DOJ's investigation. Uh, The Justice Department cited Boeing's remedial efforts, including creation of a permanent aerospace safety committee 
of the board of directors. Now, to me, it's interesting they didn't have that before. You would think they would have had that before. But basically to oversee Boeing's policies and procedures governing safety and its interactions with the FAA and other government agencies and regulators. Creation of a product and uh, services safety organization to strengthen and centralize the safety-related functions that were previously located across the company. Reorganization of Boeing's engineering function to have all Boeing engineers as well as the company's flight technical team report through the company's chief engineer rather than to the business units and implementing structural changes to Boeing's flight technical team to increase the supervision, effectiveness, and professionalism of the company's flight technical pilots. And remember, we're going to talk about them, including moving the company's FTT flight technical team under the same organizational uh, umbrella as the company's flight test team and adopting new policies and procedures and conducting training to clarify expectations and requirements governing communications between the company's flight technical pilots and regulatory authorities, including the FAA. Boeing also made significant uh, changes to its top leadership since the offense occurred. Now, DOJ determined that an independent compliance monitor was not necessary uh, because the misconduct was neither pervasive across the organization nor undertaken by a large number of employees nor facilitated by senior management. Two, although two of the company's 737 flight technical pilots deceived the FAA about the MCAS system by making misleading statements, half-truths, and omissions, others in the company disclosed MCAS's expanded operational scope to different FAA personnel who were responsible for determining whether the 737 MAX met US, uh, U.S. federal airworthiness standards, and finally, Boeing's remedial improvements to its compliance programs uh, and internal controls. Based on all of these factors, DOJ agreed to a $243 million criminal penalty, which reflected a fine at the low end of the sentencing guidelines range. DOJ also cited Boeing's agreement to allocate $1.77 billion to compensate Boeing's airline customers and $500 million in additional compensation to families and relatives of the crash victims. Um, and, and that it included heirs, relatives, and or legal beneficiaries of the crash victims of Lion Air Flight 610 and Ethiopian Airlines Flight 302. So let's dig in a little bit to the criminal conduct that's at issue here, and I made a reference to it, because it's centered on two of its 737 MAX flight technical pilots who deceived the uh, FAA about the MCAS. And that deception impacted the overall flight control system of the Boeing 737 MAX. Because of their deception, a critical document, which is published by the FAA, lacked information about MCAS, and in turn, airplane manuals and pilot training manuals omitted information about MCAS. The two tragic plane crashes were the results of the MCAS system and the failure to ensure awareness of and training for use of the MCAS in certain flight situations. Now, the two employees have not yet been charged criminally, and the fact that they focus on these two pilots provides the basis for Boeing's admission under the doctrine of respondeat superior. 
So the two pilots' behavior, criminal conduct, is attributed to the company. Now, what's surprising at this point is that the two pilots have not been charged individually yet, hopefully, for their criminal conduct. And DOJ may intend to indict the pilots, but if they're not charged, such an omission to me would raise serious questions as to DOJ's resolution of this significant fraud case and DOJ's continuing uh, reliance on individual prosecutions as a real deterrence to misconduct. So a review of the facts will, uh, to me, raises serious questions about their individual liability, particularly in light of the devastating app, uh, impact of the 737 MAX crashes. So let's go back in history. Boeing started to develop the MAX, 737 MAX, in June of 2011. And this was their competitive alternative to an Airbus similar uh, size and efficient model. And they were always under constant competitive pressure to bring this uh, 737 MAX to fruition and to, you know, to the airways. So in order to operate the 737 MAX, the FAA is required to approve the airplane for commercial use. And to make this decision... The FAA determines, one, whether the airplane met U.S. federal airworthiness standards, and two, what minimum level of pilot training would be required for a pilot to fly the airplane for a U.S.-based airline. These two determinations were made by entirely different groups within the FAA. The FAA Aircraft Evaluation Group, it's called AEG, was principally responsible for determining the minimum level of pilot training required for a pilot to fly the airplane for a U.S.-based airline. To make that determination, the AEG, the FAA's group, compared the new version of the 737 MAX to a prior version of the airplane to determine what level of training would be required. The, AA, the AEG assigns a specific training range from level A through level E, with level A being the most intensive uh, and costly, and level E being the most intensive uh, and costly. So, for example, level B training required computer-based training, which could be completed from any laptop anywhere. Level D training required flight simulator training, which required buying multi-million dollar flight simulation equipment and required pilots to take time from flying to train on costly flight simulator equipment. The FAA's evaluation of the new airplane training requirements, published in a flight standardization board report, contains, several re contains relevant information about certain airplane systems and the parts that should be incorporated into manuals and pilot training materials. Boeing 737 flight technical team was responsible for identifying and providing the AEG all relevant information in connection with the publication of the MAX FSB report. This group is separate from the Boeing group that provided information to the FAA to determine airworthiness. And here, when you dig down in terms of what was going to be the level of training required to use the, uh, the 730, to fly the 737 MAX and uh, the awareness of MCAS as an important system to know and understand before you fly was at issue. So employee one was a technical pilot and eventually became the chief technical pilot. Employee one left Boeing in 2018. 
Employing two, employee two was in a technical pilot and became chief technical pilot in 2018 after employee one left Boeing. Employees one and two conspired to defraud the FAA AEG relating to the 737 MAX FSB report and its difference training determination for the Boeing 737 MAX. Now, Boeing's objective is to secure an FAA determination to require no greater than a B level of training. That means that it can be done on computer simulations. The pilots can do it on any laptop at any point in time uh, before they fly the 787, the 737. Employee one and two shared this objective and knew, though, that they would be blamed if they did not secure level B or better training. So here we go with the culture. The 737 MAX used larger engines than prior models, which altered relevant aerodynamics of the 737 MAX. To fix the impact of this change in maneuverability, Boeing developed the MCAS system to cause the airplane's nose to pitch down during a specific high-speed wind-up turn. During a 2015 briefing of the AEG, the FAA's AEG, employee one described MCAS as, as needed, uh, because of the, uh, as needed because of a limited operational scope during a specific m- maneuver. Subsequently, Boeing expanded MCAS's operational sc- scope, including the speed range from high-speed flight to nearly the entire speed range for the 737 MAX and landing and takeoff speeds. Boeing disclosed this change to the FAA staff involved in determining airworthiness but employees one and two did not inform the AEG personnel at the FAA for publishing 737 MAX FSB report and making the training-related determination and including it in the manual in that sense. In 2016, the FAA AEG reached a preliminary Level B determination but was unaware of the full scope of MCAS's operational scope, that it was going to be used for a broad range of maneuvers and speed, including taking off and landing. Employees 1 and 2 congratulated the internal team and knew that the determination was based on the FAA's misunderstanding concerning the scope of the MCAS system. On November 15, 2016, during a test flight in a simulator, Employee one recognized the MCAS operating at a lower speed and that this was different from the representation made to the FAA AEG. In an internal electronic chat, employee one and two discussed the test flight and how it was different from what they had told the FAA. And let me quote the texts. Employee one says, oh, shocker alert. MCAS is now active down to Mach 2. It's running rampant in the sim on me. At least that's what a Boeing simulator engineer thinks is happening. Employee two. Oh, great. That means we have to update the speed trim, trim description in volume two. Employee one. So I basically lied to the regulators. And then he puts in parens unknowingly. Employee two. It wasn't a lie. No one told us that was the case. Rather than sharing information about this change with the FAA, AEG, employees one and two concealed this information and deceived the AEG about MCAS. As a result of this deception, the FAA deleted all information about MCAS from the FSB report 
airplane manuals, and pilot training materials. Pilots then flew the 737 MAX were not given this necessary information, no training or materials relating to MCAS, despite the fact that MCAS system operated at almost the full range of 737 MAX speeds, especially at takeoff and landing. On October 29, 2018, the Lion Air Flight 610 crashed after takeoff into the Java Sea, killing all 189 passengers and crew. Following the crash, the FAA AEG learned that MCAS activated during the flight and may have caused the crash. The FAA AEG learned from the, for the first time about the change to the MCAS, including the information Boeing concealed from the FAA. Employees 1 and 2 continue to mislead others at Boeing and the FAA about their prior knowledge of the change to MCAS. So even in between the crashes, knowing that the MCAS system had caused the crash, the two individuals continued to mislead. Five months later, on March 10, 2019, Ethiopian Airlines Flight 302 crashed shortly after takeoff, killing all 157 passengers and crew on board. The FAA AEG learned that MCAS was activated during the flight. Three days later, Boeing 737 MAX was grounded. So let's take a moment to step back. Boeing's settlement with the DOJ raises more questions than answers, in my view. I understand that a criminal case against Boeing requires DOJ to identify one or two or one or more individuals who've committed a crime that can be fairly attributed to the Boeing Corporation under the doctrine of respondeat superior. Boeing has been praised for its remediation efforts and its end result. It clearly could have been a lot worse, but in my view, it should have been a much more severe enforcement action against Boeing. When misconduct results in a loss of life, innocent lives, the prosecution and eventual result should reflect the seriousness of the matter. So let me go through the factors that support my argument. And I recognize that I'm not privy to all the facts and the considerations and the entire record developed during the internal investigation and what DOJ may have known and what Boeing may have discovered during its investigation. But this, to me, uh, calls out for something more. First, a culture of ethics and compliance. Boeing safety violations were committed by two technical pilots, and, only, and that's only part of the story in this case. The two pilots clearly violated the law. There's no question about that. And, uh, and maybe even could have avoided the two Boeing 737 MAX crashes. Their conduct is even more reprehensible when their deception continued after the first line air crash and the MCAS was identified as a possible reason for the crash. Their silence after the Lion Air crash is just a terrible, terrible fact, since the pilots knew full well what the risk was, but they chose to keep quiet. We can all agree on condemning their conduct, but their failure to act and speak up occurred in a corporate culture that did not prevent them or encourage them from or dissuade them from continuing their criminal conspiracy. And my question is, where was Boeing's culture of compliance? What commitment did the board and senior management make to this issue? How could such blatant misconduct occur in a culture of compliance? My questions, I guess, are somewhat rhetorical, but spring from several 
well-established principles. Companies that maintain an ethical culture suffer reduced rates of misconduct in comparison to less ethical companies. Where did Boeing fall on the spectrum of corporate culture and why? In prior postings in a podcast episode on this scandal, I highlighted evidence suggesting that Boeing's culture elevated profitability over safety. That's not surprising. Yet DOJ makes no mention of Boeing's culture, its failure to embed the importance of compliance, and the leadership failure at Boeing to ensure implementation of a culture of ethics and compliance. Safety controls. Boeing's safety controls, interactions with the FAA, and regulation of training manuals and materials were circumvented through the actions of two employees. It is significant that there were no safety controls to verify and corroborate or uh, the issues determined and advocated by the two training pilots. Given Boeing's business and the importance of safety issues, it's difficult for me to accept that Boeing's safety controls could be easily circumvented by two actors. Basic safety controls should not be so easy to circumvent, and Boeing's safety controls appear deficient on their face. DOJ and Boeing tout Boeing's remediation efforts to reorganize and prevent future safety violations. These improvements are positive. Two of the measures, the creation of a permanent aerospace safety committee and a product and services safety organization, while laudable, should have been in existence prior to the scandal. Boeing's obsession should have been safety, not profitability, and its failure to maintain a robust safety compliance organization at the board level and in the organization is nothing to applaud or credit for remediation purposes. Boeing's remaining structural changes to its engineering function and its flight technical team is a positive step. To be effective, however, structural changes are unlikely to prevent and detect future violations unless those changes are coupled with a serious and significant effort to improve Boeing's culture of ethics. Finally, let me mention the absence of an independent corporate monitor. DOJ's decision not to require require the appointment of an independent corporate monitor is questionable. Boeing's culture and compliance program failed on many levels, more than just the illegal conduct of two technical pilots. Boeing's culture is clearly deficient, and the proposed structural changes are unlikely to mitigate the potential for reoccurrence of safety issues. In this case, DOJ should have appointed an independent compliance monitor to ensure that Boeing's culture and controls are remediated throughout the organization. Given the stakes of another safety scandal, DOJ was remiss in failing to take this basic step to protect Boeing's customers and passengers from future safety violations. Well, that's the Boeing case, and it uh, certainly is uh, not a pretty one. And uh, again, just like the GM case, I feel like DOJ has uh, let us down in this uh, settlement. Uh, Hopefully, I'll be proven wrong uh, and that uh, we won't see any more safety violations coming out of Boeing. But I would note that shortly after this, obviously, they had the problem with the 787 engine that fell uh, in a Colorado community. But uh, it's hard to say. I don't know the facts surrounding that. But let's just hope that Boeing uh, does get its act together. Anyway, thanks, uh, thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. 
The Volkov Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. You can learn more about the legal and compliance services we offer at our website, www.volkovlaw.com. You can also follow our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our podcast series. You can contact Michael Volkov at his email address, mvolkov at volkovlaw.com. <laughs>